0: When investors say, well, what is gonna be my return? And I said, well, you're to, your grandchildren will be able to eat. That's your return. I can't, if you're asking me how much on the dollar you're gonna get, I'm not your investment." Welcome to the Women
1: on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this episode, I'm speaking with Zafreen Hansen, the founder of Hamden Farms and previously a photojournalist in the Air Force. Safreen is passionate about helping other families who also have children on the autism spectrum. In this conversation, she takes us through her journey from the Air Force to Hamden Farms. It's a fascinating story, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Safreen, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. Welcome, and great to see you here virtually. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure and it's great to see you as well. So, I would love to start off with understanding your career path since you've had such an interesting journey professionally. So, can you tell us about yourself in terms of what you have done professionally?
0: I have always worked as long as I can remember. I babysat, sold candy, all the little entry entrepreneurial jobs you had as a kid. And then at 17 and a half, I decided to join the Air Force it was not on my path at all. I had not planned to join the military, but it really was the path of least resistance to the things I wanted to do. And I wanted to go to college and I wanted to be able to travel and I didn't see a way to be able to do that at that time in my life. So I joined the Air Force. I had already worked on the school newspaper and had a desire to tell stories. And I joined the Air Force and that opportunity only opened more for me. I became a photojournalist. I spent eight years documenting some amazing opportunities and I also saw some really heartbreaking experiences, but that opened my world. I I had no idea that you could leave Southern California, be a Valley girl. Oh my gosh. That's (laughs) and that was the the life I had prior to that, and move to Europe and tell stories for the military while getting to experience Europe when you're 18 and 19, like you just, you don't know what you don't know. So the world literally is your oyster. You have, you have no idea. And so after the Air Force and I medically retired, I, I saw, like I said, amazing um, opportunities. So I had to move on. And that led me to learning about yoga and wellness and eating healthy because You know, this at the time, this is 2004, 2005, the health opportunities I have, the wellness opportunities I have didn't even exist at that time. Uh, I got out and I was given lots of medication and it did not work for me. Uh, I support people taking any medication that helps them live their better life. The medication did not help me live my better life. And so my husband and I were really at our end and were willing to almost try anything for me to get to be better. And so I have a I had a therapist and I went to different retreats and I tried every kind of spiritual religion in between, eating healthy. And I got to a point where I felt like I was functioning and we decided to start a family. And so that <laughs> changed my trajectory again because let's be honest, being a mom will test your toolkit and you better get a, you better keep adding to that once you become a parent or just in life general. But like motherhood at the time, women weren't being honest like we are now. And like, it, it was very much like, you're gonna have these babies and you're gonna dress them up and you're gonna, you know, have this, you know, online presence. And that's not what happened for me. I then found myself dealing with postpartum And having to figure out how to manage that while care for, uh, and our children, we had them pretty close. We had our son and then 15 months later we were having twin daughters. Oh
1: my goodness. Right there. I'm shuddering at the thought. So three under 15 months.
0: Yes. Wow. I wasn't ready, Sam. Like I said, there was no part of me that was ready for that. Um, Although I had always wanted twin daughters, I thought I would space it out. (laughs) But that's not what happened. And so I, this path I had been on of healing, um, I did, I was a civilian photographer for a while living in California, there was a lot of opportunities. To just do some entertainment photography and while I enjoyed it, it also was really intense. It meant that I was getting off of work at four in the morning and I was going to parties, you know, to photograph them, but I wanted a more, a a more settled life. And so then becoming pregnant my very last job while pregnant was a friend of mine's dedication of her child and you see and there's pictures of me like waddling down the church with a camera hanging off my belly and I thought I think it's time um, for (laughs) for us to kind of yeah and and so that is that has what led me to even where I am in farming I needed healing and my husband and I moved uh, with our three children and I didn't know anyone in Denver. And so I looked for a veteran organization because even though being in the military has so many challenges as a woman of color, as a black woman, as a photographer, all these different, you know, intersections, it is also where other veterans will say, hey, we have an understanding, we speak a language, let me guide you. And so I have had more good experiences with veteran organizations than any bad. And so it is, It is. if I see the veteran sign, I'm more likely to go in and check it out and see if I can find some like-minded people. And that's what happened with farming. I got into farming and then it just connected every veteran organization experience I had.
1: Tell us about how you got into farming. I think the story behind this and the mission behind Hands and Farms is so interesting. So I'd love for our listeners to hear that.
0: Well, I love to share that Sam. Mm-hmm. A veteran organization had a has a partnership with Denver Botanic Gardens, and so I felt like I really just couldn't lose in this. I was going to be outside all day. I was going to learn about farming. I've had an interest since the fourth grade. We took a field trip, and, and we saw a farm. The college I went to was built around orange groves, and so it was like why not? I moved to a new town. I was fortunate to have some time on my hands. And I went to this program. And at that program, one, I didn't realize that I was still healing from our move, uh, which was hard. And we can talk about that, Sam. And I got to be with a group of other veterans who just let me be. Sometimes I would like come to class uh, weepy and no one ever said anything. They were just like, Hey, are you okay? Is that Do you need anything? You want some space. And, you know, then they're like, hey, get a shovel, take it all out, <laughs> you know? And, you know, we're going to dig this hole and move a tree over here. And that, like, it was extremely helpful. And then, like I said, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I think since the second grade, I knew I wanted to be one. And so while I was at the gardens, I kept asking questions about what do you do with the excess and why do you get rid of it this way? They were like, well, hey, do what, do, it's yours. If you want to make something out of it, go ahead. Uh, We support you. So I've stayed with the gardens uh, and, you know, by proxy, the veterans of farmers. And as I healed, I started to see uh, verticals. Like, to be honest, like that's, that's really my, my love language is if I can make you money, uh, that is, that is genuinely a love language. And so I know how hard it is for farmers. I know how hard it is for a nonprofit, even as big as, Denver Botanic Gardens and the support they do have, but they're still a nonprofit and there are challenges. And so they had this beautiful lavender. it uh, They use it for festivals. And so I said, you know, can I do a study on the profitability of lavender? And they said, yes, go ahead, run with it. <laughs> and so that has been really my experience in farming is that it healed me first. And then It connected all these communities that I love. The veteran community, uh, it's therapeutic for families that have uh, special needs challenges, for veterans who are healing emotionally. I mean, just the gambit of wellness that you can do around farming. Then I took their herbalism certification at the gardens, and I learned even more about what I could do with lavender and other herbs. That's how it all connected me. I get to be a farm business owner and work with other growers and farmers who are creating these systems to really change the farm system. So tell us about Hamden Farms. Tell us about the mission and the products. The mission of Hamden Farms is to make small-scale farming profitable. And that's to meet farmers and farm enthusiasts right where they are. They already have you know, blue ocean profits that they're usually not tapping into. And that is something that I love being able to shine like that. Like you can, you're already doing this tweak one thing and you'll really make money at that. That is the mission of Hampton farms, but we also own our own farm. So we have products and those products are really bath teas are my true love. You can grow herbs, it was a job also that my kids could do easily. And so, yeah, that is is we're, we're doing both. We're coming up with the support and resources for farmers while also doing it for ourselves.
1: And so those resources and support, are you counseling, advising, or consulting to other farms about how they can do better profitably?
0: Absolutely. And also collaborating. We had a great opportunity to work with several farmers who created a hub. And so there is storage space. There is, I'm actually super excited. I just thought yesterday, Sam, this was a dream and something that I want, a physical space that I had talked about and wanted. And so it's the East Denver Food Hub, and there's several farmers that are a part of it, but I got to see the space. And so that was been one of my goals, to get more farmers on board. And as we collaborate, then we can collaborate our resources on marketing and distribution.
1: I love the thought of you taking the photo Journalism background that you've had, telling stories through photos, which I think for farming can really bring some of those products and people to life and really trying to tell that locally. So well done in bringing that together. I really look forward to seeing that. So interestingly, you've stayed away from taking investors on in your business. And so I'm wondering, can you tell us about the intention behind that decision and how you wanted to grow then without investor support?
0: I'll be honest, it wasn't until I went to Bunker Labs and went through their veteran and residence program and then have stayed on as an ambassador that I even understood this idea of investors and just really, this is a whole nother world um, for small business. And then, like I said, as a small business, also who owns a farm, my pitch wasn't sexy enough. And, you know, investors weren't all that interested. They kept saying, well, are you a nonprofit? And I said, I'm not a nonprofit. It's for profit, but, you know, I need the foundational things." And so I just had not had interest. And so I said, look, I will then I, I believe in this, I'll build it, you know, myself. And as I started to build, in some ways, it was really the best thing. I actually talked to two investors and each one was saying, Zephyrine, you're in there, you know, the best way to grow this. And at first, it kind of hurt my feelings, because I was like, why won't you invest in me? But I feel like those words were investment. I know these farmers, I know what they need. And by creating a system where they thrive on their own and they're not relying on people giving them money. That is actually the best thing I could do. And then by learning, you continue to show this to farm communities all over America who want to do this and it's happening. It is. So anything I do, I share. So my model also isn't like I said, all that attractive to investors right now, because they're like, this feels nonprofit-y. And so I'm okay with that because it's still continuing to grow, Sam. But my, my goal ultimately is to scale this. My goal is that whatever farmers do in training, that they can make a profit from that because they educate all the time, but they do it for free. So Hamden Farms comes in, we document it. It's for them to use over and over again. And once again, that's a blue stream revenue for them, right? Uh, They're already doing it. They just need someone to document it and market and package it. That is where I'm at.
1: And so what does success look like for you as you talk about scaling this? Do you see similar environments in different cities where you can take this model out
0: elsewhere? I see that local food will be accessible to everyone. And what that means is like we have a suburban micro farm, but my neighbors and I share food and, and we swap. And that makes great sense to the bigger hubs and farmers. They're able to deliver and distribute food to families who may not who may be in food deserts or as in our case, the special needs community, while all of our children are able-bodied, there are other families who getting out into the community is hard. And so they should have fresh food too. That would be my goal is that in the ways that we can get food to different communities, we meet those communities on the bridge they're on. I love that. So you talked about spending
1: eight years as a photojournalist in the Air Force what were some of the compelling stories that you covered there? What were the stories you were trying to bring to light? And it sounds like some of them were really remarkable stories and some of them were pretty hard to hear and to face.
0: I mean, the most remarkable stories are, are just like the quiet ones. There's so many people in the military, you'll never see them. They do their job and they make sure everything's up and running, but they don't get that glory. And so one of the best parts of my job is when we would get a distinguished visitor, a four-star general or a politician. It is my job to document that VP's day or that very important person's day as they just see the everyday life of an airman, because you know I was on an Air Force base, or if I'm on a joint duty base. And so to see them light up and to have someone of importance say, hey, you've done a good job, or I see you, that part of my job was amazing. Uh, the harder parts were the soldiers who pay the ultimate price and that they're never coming home and their families will have to continue to go on with that loss. And so that part and having to actually document that I took that job very serious and even spiritual in that, you know, this is this person's last, their body's last moments on earth. But that to me was, was that was the real challenge.
1: Thank you for sharing that. That sounds unbelievably hard, but so valuable that you are doing this service for families of servicemen and women, so thank you for that. And you just mentioned things that you might've learned from there that gives you that fortitude to go on now in your current role as an entrepreneur. You know, what were those lessons that you learned? What, what do you take away from that time that you think makes you a better business person?
0: Planning, but also being able to think on the fly. Like you spent a lot of time in the military, we plan, 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 plan. And then you get there and you're like, wow, that plane isn't where you said it was going to be. I have to move because they're not moving a plane. (laughs) So I'd better get this shot. Or, you know, sometimes I'd have to photograph someone who didn't really want to be on camera, but we both had been voluntold to do this, right? And so how do I put them at ease? And so a little bit of the art of negotiation, really, right? It's the art of negotiation is what I learned as a photographer.
1: Oh my goodness. Those influencing skills surely will come in handy now in any which way. I love that, that you really... Made, you drew people out in the way you needed to. So Zafrine, you've participated in many programs for veterans, and it sounds like particularly around entrepreneurship. Can you tell us about some of those? You know, which ones have been the most helpful to you?
0: Well, the first one was battle-tested, and it was storytelling. And that storytelling, and it connected me to other veterans. It was this huge door opener. I met vets in tech and veterans who were also in agriculture, veterans who were in media, you know, there's, there can be even for myself as a veteran, a monolith, right? That you're you're just going to get out and somehow keep doing what you're doing, but there's this whole other world. So Battle Tested introduced me to the idea that I could rewrite my story in second service, and that led me to the Institute of Veterans and Military Families, where they connected us to colleges, entrepreneur support. Every veteran program I went to has allowed me to just even be here to speak with you, right? I've been to more than four, but I learned from them how to, like I said, have my, have my transition, have this second opportunity at life. Many of these organizations have veterans who talk about, it's hard to transition, You know, we speak a different language. Let's talk about that. That's important to have those conversations. So your company is beta
1: testing a farm in the box, virtual interactive experience. And I'd love to
0: hear more about this and tell us who is it for? So our farm in the box experience, I'll tell you about it. First of all, our clients, our customers, other farmers will be able to curate a box of local products and some of them will be small business, some of them will be fresh product from the farm, and give people who are at home for any reason the opportunity to have a farm, farmer's market type experience at the time that works best for them. Now, this box was inspired because at the beginning of the pandemic, everything shut down. I was not gonna be able to go to the gardens. And so while we had had a little garden in our backyard, Um, Really, I have to say credit to my husband. He was like, there is no way I'm going to be locked in a house with her and she cannot farm. There's no way. He's like, I will build a farm in the backyard if that's what it takes. And to his credit, you know, my farms were shut down and my kids pool. Our kids love to swim. And so building our farm became a family project. We got to work around math and reading, entrepreneurial skills, all these things because of the pandemic. And during the time, there were some local agencies that sent out boxes for special needs families. Uh, all of our children are on the autism spectrum. And so we got boxes of activities. And I, at the time I was like, oh, I should do this with farming, but like everything was on fire, right? Like I could not, there was no way that was going to happen. And I did that. And I talked to, you know, socialize the idea. I talked to some <laughs> friends and other organizations that worked with special needs families. And and I said, I'd like to do this. And they all encouraged me. And then one of the organizations, you know, said, hey, there's a grant coming out, apply for it. And I did. It's the Creative Idea Fund with Point B Strategies here in Denver. And I shared the idea. I said, look, I want to do this. And they said, we love it. We'll even help you do it. We'll help you tell the story of it. And once again, it was on my vision board. It, it has been difficult to get an investor to say, hey, just give me money so I can make a box for special needs families. And I'm not a nonprofit. Uh, so they wanted to support this and them supporting it. I'm super excited. Once again, open doors. That is why I'm able to work with this hub. The hub will be delivering the boxes. That allows me to keep the money there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it really... You know, that's how that opened up, but yes, that's what we do. We move your product and we promote you.
1: Can people who are not in the area locally buy these products? Do you ship now elsewhere?
0: Not yet, but you know, that is the goal. That is absolutely the goal. And that's the way to make farming sustainable too and profitable. Right. I can't wait to be able to buy that
1: from the East Coast where we are. You you mentioned having special needs children and this obviously plays a big role in what you do professionally and also personally in so many uh, ways. Tell us about your family. You know, tell us about the journey that you've
0: been on with them. Sam, you know, like you're talking to me today and it's, you know, I can't imagine any other different road, but at the beginning, I will be 100% honest. It was devastating. Our son was 22 months when he was diagnosed. His name is Alexander. And... I had a lot of guilt. I assumed that it was because, you know, he had twin sisters and he was overwhelmed and that's why he stopped talking and that's why he started missing his milestones. And at the time, the community I was around didn't really believe in autism and felt that like, you know, it was behavioral or I was just a overreacting mom. I grew up in a house of girls, so I hadn't raised a boy. So I just didn't know that he went from talkative and like I said, being right on track to like crying all the time and being upset all the time and like breaking his toys and just not being able to go to a typical preschool because he would do self-harm, throw himself up on the floor and just all these things that, you know, I had no idea. I was a first time mom and I was now a mom with twin daughters looking at this. I was like, what is going on? So we, it was a really tense time for us. And then once again, we were fortunate. Our child's pediatrician, his wife, happened to work at a regional center. And regional centers help families of children with a, a variety of special needs. And so he said, well, you might want to get him tested. And I resisted because at the time, my family was not supportive. And my husband was like, oh, no, we're going to deal with this. And that put us you know, on this path where a lot of it was like being at the right place at the right time is we lived in an area that had an amazing organization that helped families with special needs. And so not so much for our son, but definitely for our daughters, they started really early. He started earlier than most children, but our girls were 18 months and they were in a program, which has made all the difference in our parent ed, and then even in us, you know, working with him, we've had to do more. Sometimes we parent our children with fear instead of helping them through things. We we're looking to the future and I'm like, oh, my God, he's never going to go to college. And it's like, let's get him to five. Right. Like, how can we healthily get him to five? And so that has been our journey of like trial and error and knowing that we needed to move on.
1: I have a son on the spectrum. We didn't find out about him and that diagnosis till he was close to six years old. So it sounds like you had a lot more lead time, which is great for children to get what they need uh, early because the earlier the better, I think for for so many. So you've worked closely with this organization called Teaching the Autism Community Trades. And I'd love to hear more about that. You know, what does the organization do and how did you get involved and what has it given back to you?
0: They really do their name. <laughs> they, tre- they teach autism, uh, the autism community trades. 90% of children with an uh, autism diagnosis will never be hired. And there's no reason for that. Like, that's terrifying seeing those statistics as a parent. And so that's what TACT did. It, it's founded by two parents who their son was on the spectrum. And they were like, this is, this, I'm not going to just accept this. And so they started doing woodworking, auto mechanics. These are skills that typically children who are on the spectrum do very well. They're very detail-oriented if they're very interested in it. My son loves anything automotive, since cars, and will draw, wouldn't draw in school. Teaching your child trades and just these hands-on skills that people don't generally value now really opened up my kid's mind. I saw them open up in a way and connect and have an immediate, like, Oh, look at what I can do. Like they made eye pillows one time. And, uh, which was wonderful. We got to donate the lavender for it. Right. And, and that was like, once again, bringing my worlds together. And my kids were like, look at, I made this. And I was like, that's amazing. It's okay. That reading is a challenge for you. It's okay. That sitting still is a challenge. Look at you can do something and giving themselves that pride that they can go out in the world. So, uh, TACT makes also places their students in uh, to actual jobs. You know, no one in the special needs community wants to just rely on other people. They want to be empowered to take care of themselves. And that's really what TACT does. They empower that. They also educate parents on some challenges, or they collaborate with organizations that can help parents with even legal matters that you may not realize as a special needs parent. It sounds like also you used your own
1: farm to help educate your children, you know, teaching them skills out there and that they've been very responsive to being in that environment. What is it about farming or nature? Do you think that's helped your kids?
0: You can combine everything they're interested in. You know, we have a daughter who loves to make different colors. Well, you can make pigment from, you know, vegetables once you um, dry it properly. Technology today, these kids have no idea. They asked me about the ancient times when my phone was connected to the wall. So it just, it, it, like, whatever we were interested in, our, like I said, our sons into drones. Our children really like Legos. So we had to make this decision, really, as a couple of, like, this is getting expensive. We can either tell them they can't have it, or we can give them incentive to work for it. And we went with the incentive of like, okay, we're going to make this, you know, a financial literacy uh, they don't know that, you know, teachable moment. And once again, this is something that I share with other autistic families, with special needs families. That someday, you know, as a special needs parent, you want to live forever, um, but that's not true. So, you know, that's something that my previous career really forced me to look at is that like my own mortality. And so even though it's not fun for me to look at and have a trust and do all these unfun things, I have control now. So <laughs> do them now and not hope for something on the other end.
1: So I think anybody listening to this will say, how do you keep it all together, especially in a pandemic with your own business, with children who have needs and homeschooling, which you've done for a long time? How does it all work
0: for you? How do you make it work? I don't. I don't always make it work. That's that's the truth. I have a toolkit. My toolkit, you know is one is my therapist. I have an inner circle that is just, they're phenomenal. And I rely on them. An amazing spouse, like we're not perfect. We've been together 20 plus years. We drive each other crazy. But when it comes down to it, we are each other's support system, that toolkit. And just being honest, instead of, for a long time, I wore a mask of who I thought people wanted me to be. And at this, you know, I think 43 helps you. I'm like, I don't have the energy to keep that mask on. So let's just be honest that, you know, this is tough or I'm nervous or I'm really excited about the hub today. You know, old me would have held on to tell you in case something happened. Who cares? If something different happens with it, then I'll update that information. But today I'm really excited and I get to share that, you know, on this platform. So let's do it. So a lot of it is being honest and vulnerable and leaning into all the parts of your personality, all, you know, the ebbs and the flows. And if you have children, let them in on that ride. As a mom, we try to button it all up, you know, be honest appropriately, right? You know, your kid's age, what you're going through, but we're in the tween age now, 11 to 13. So, you know, we're having these conversations and especially if you have children with a diagnosis, there is great organizations and therapists that will help you with this.
1: I think that's so true. I found those resources as well. I think you have to have that outside help and that perspective. And as someone with two other children who are not on the spectrum, it's also for them too. It's for the children who have to learn and grow up with special needs children too, that they need the support. So when you just need a moment to yourself in your busy life, what do you do to
0: find that relief and peace of mind? That's how I got to farming. You know, I go outside, and even though it's all frozen now in Denver, um, just still being out there to see the beds and right behind our house, we like live in this idyllic kind of suburban magic space, I call it, is like the High Line Canal. So there's water, you know, rushing and it's green back there. And I can feel like I'm not in the city at all for a moment. And there's ducks. So those are the things I do. The sound of water is very helpful. And there's several great like meditative apps. Shine and Calm are both apps that I use. And a good meal, you know, good meal with friends. Like, you know, those things have been hard in the pandemic. But also in some ways I can use technology to connect with my girlfriends and do a virtual brunch.
1: Well, I certainly hope we can all get back out there soon and especially to farms like yours and businesses like yours. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you Zephrine and hear about your journey and how you've really tried to help so many people with the lessons that you've learned along the way. So thank you so much for that.
0: Thank you for this opportunity.
1: Thank you for joining my conversation with Zephrine Hansen. As a fellow parent with a child on the autism spectrum, I learned so much from her experiences. It's an important conversation to have as we celebrate Autism Awareness Month this April. You can keep up with Zafrine on Facebook or at hamdenfarms.com. JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC.